Hey guys, Coach Ben here, and you are listening to The Bench Cast. I'm here with small arm, leg strong, and I just created a Twitter, guys. I got back on the Twitter, at Big Benches. Please give us a follow. And then I saw here, got small arm, leg strong. It was one of my first followers. What is your Twitter, though? It's, it's a big quad, tiny arm. All right, so same shit. Same shit, different someone... way. Someone took mine. Oh, someone had a small arm. Someone had strong. small arm. That is weird because that is uh, that's a crazy handle. <laughs> but anyway, guys, we're on the Twitter today. We're talking about what makes a successful program. Some of the traits of a successful program. And let me tell you right off the bat that it, it's come from a coach, someone that sells programs as well. Any program can work. Any program can get you stronger, just about unless it's like designed totally ball's crazy but there's a lot of different programs out there that are very very different from each other and people find success in all of them yeah you could get strong running almost anything but it's about the effort you put forth and all those training programs have similar traits and that's what we want to get at today is is what those similar traits are that make those programs successful um, Before we get into that, we have two very important questions that yeah, so came we're, in. We're taking questions on the Instagram Live. This is a little bit of an earlier filming. I mean, you're going to be listening to this on a, on a Thursday when it comes out, but um, we're, we're a little in the morning here. We got the early birds up with us, giving us some questions. We're taking programming questions. What do we got, small arm? The real key one by Body by Bacon. How often should I program sushi into my diet for maximal bench gains? Now, this is a great question. So, sushi. I'm telling you, every shirted session I do, depends how I want to fit the shirt, but I'm going to have sushi for lunch. If I'm benching at night, sushi for lunch. Before a meet, automatic, night before, sushi. Um, recently, I have a very tight bench shirt that I've been working in. I couldn't really do the sushi, unfortunately. But if I'm going to go in, I'm going to go in on at least five rolls. So, that's a really important question. And anytime you're looking for a big bench, sushi is a must. I've actually put that in articles on Elite FTS before. Then uh, another one by fishing underscore lifting. How often should I try for a max? And I think that's a really good question because a lot of people want to go every week. Yeah, absolutely. So trying for a true bench max, your competition setup, all that. My rule of thumb, every three to four months, you can kind of see where you're at. You got to give yourself time to go through a program and actually get stronger. Because the thing is, when you're testing a max all the time, you're not really getting stronger, just seeing where you're at. And usually that max isn't going to look that pretty because you're going to take yourself to strength failure, not technical failure. So most people are pushing past that point of technical failure. And then you're just pressing shitty just to see kind of where you're at. So I would hold off, and I know it's hard, guys. I know it's hard. We want to see where we're at all the time. We want to max out. It's fun to see that weight move. But especially, as you get stronger, you got to give yourself more time to go through a program, work with some volume, and then be patient, test later on. All right, And save it for meets, too. You don't always have to test your max in the gym. A meet is a great opportunity to test your max. What I would like to do is uh, I get close to a max. If I'm getting really strong, maybe it just happens that I hit a new max in the gym. But usually all my maxes are hit at a meet. So three to four months, give or take, rule of thumb.
But I have gone a whole year before testing a raw max before. Granted, I was a shirt bencher, but... That's some next-level patience right there. Yeah, and it's it's difficult. And if you're working... So lately, we got a good crew here on Fridays, and the intensity is something I want to keep. So when you have a good environment, you got to take advantage of that. You got guys pushing yourselves. When you're doing volume, hard to do that because you're going to get too amped up. People are going to push themselves too much. So I like the conjugate system for that reason, just trying to max out on variations. So it's not like you're maxing out on competition-style bench every time. Um, you can push yourself to try to hit a PR on a floor press, and then maybe next week you try to PR with bands, or next week you try to PR on a board, but you're constantly kind of pushing those exercises and hammering the accessories so that you have something to kind of feed your, your fire to max out. And try to keep it technical, Max. So if it looks shitty, just kind of cut it there. But you're seeing progression on these exercises over time, and you're rotating them. So that's a good way to spin it, too, and keep the intensity high because you can still push yourself to hit something heavy that day and feel rewarding that you hit a PR. Um, and like I said, it keeps the intensity high. Everyone's yelling at you. Good environment. Good environment. So, all right, so moving on. Key traits that make programs good. All right, and anyone watching on the live, feel free to drop any questions you got. I think this one's going to be good and interactive. So, first thing, a good program's got to have progression to it. All right, you have to have a good progression, some kind of lead up. That is the cornerstone of getting stronger is the progressive overload system. Yeah, there's that Greek story. What what was that with the Milos and the cow or something? Yep, yep. He uh, started lifting a calf, and then as it grew yep. bigger and stronger, he got bigger and stronger. Yeah, so, so that's, the whole cow. that's it. Then that guy's lifting a cow. But that's progression, right? The cow's growing, the calf's growing up and do a cow. He's carrying it every day. That's progression for you. But a good program has to have some type of progression. It has to have some kind of lead up to you lifting more weight. All right? That can be spun many ways, and I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of it. You know, obviously, the most simple form is just a linear progression. As you go through a 16, 20-week program, you're starting to handle heavier weights as you go, and you're, you're more volume, lighter weight at the beginning. And stuff like that's real good for beginners. Yeah, absolutely. And I still use some form of that today, and I still get great results with that. Um, so that's tried and true, and that keeps working for me, keeps working for a lot of my athletes. And um, But at the end of the day, that's you know, that's type of lead up you want um, there's other ways to spin it like mini cycles so you're maybe a three-week lead up to something heavy you back down a three-week lead up um, to something a little heavier uh, three-week lead up to something heavier than that uh, but you can spin it a lot of different ways but you can see the general trend whether yep. whether it's up and down or it's just kind of straight through uh, it's going up going up in weight all right so something's leading us up that mountain so that's really any good program has to have some form of that intact. All right. Do you know any um, any like popular templates out there? Uh, the, one of the most popular ones, five three one. Yeah. So five so three one. Get the lead up. You know, five reps, three reps, one rep. Then uh, like a nice deload week. But as the month goes on, you're handling heavier and heavier weights. Mm -hmm. Like that's the real key to progression. Yeah. So. Yeah. We, there's a perfect example right there. We just took one of those popular programs out, 531. Chances are you've probably done that before. I have. I have the book there. Um, and that's a great lead-up, too. But you can see at the cornerstone of it, like you said, progression. Yep. It's all about the progression. 
So um, I also uh, buy Paul Carter, his uh, lift run bang. I'm telling you, every time I do that for squats, I seem to do really good with it. Um, practicing a lot of singles, that's a really good progression. And for, um, if you're unfamiliar with that one, it's uh, you take your warm-ups, you go five, four, three, two, then you do three singles at the end. Yeah, and those three singles get heavier each week. Yep. And it's like a 12-week lead-up. And then after that is a back-off set, which is just pause squats usually, I believe. Yeah, some yep. light accessory. I honestly, I don't do too much with that when I run it. Um, I don't train squats and deads to the extent I used to. I'm focused on the bench. Um, but anytime I do that with my squats, even just the basic lead-up, it works really, really well. Um, but even like something like our six-week uh, program for the bench – that has been getting great results. We just had a guy do a 22-pound PR on that. And this is the second time through it. And that same same uh, focus. You know, you get a little bit of a lead-up. There's a D-load in the middle there, and then there's another lead-up. Six weeks, uh, and it's worked very, very well. But it's very simple. You know, it's a small three-week progression up. You're going to back down a little, and then you're progressing back up, hopefully hitting a real good max at the end. But you can see any of those. We can take them all out. Any good program that you've probably heard of, there's a progression involved with that. Weak points. That's another thing I want to bring up. Weak points. Um, a good program for you is going to be one that attacks everything you suck at. And that's probably going to come down more or less to you putting that into the programming. So that's where when I get lifters that come in and start training under me, over time we're seeing where does this lifter suck? You know, what What do they have trouble doing? And then uh, we're going to hammer the shit out of it. All right, so that's where that variable comes in. And that's why a template doesn't always work so well. Um, you might stall out quick with the template is you don't have someone modifying that for you. Uh, you need to be able to either yourself or under a coach find what you're not great at and have a plan to attack it. And a lot of that's being honest with yourself. Yeah, which yep. is hard to do. Because nobody wants to go into the gym and spend any time dedicated to what they suck at when they could be doing something they're awesome at. That's that's rough. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what what do you suck at? Overhead pressing. Over uh, <laughs> same thing right here. Yep. And telling you going in there and sucking at overhead press continuously is not that great. It's not that fun. It's not a good time. But hitting a big PR in overhead press that's a lot of fun. And then seeing the results it carries over into your bench press, that's fun. Then it's a real good time. Yeah, so find stuff you suck at like that. Overhead press, big one for me and for you too. And um, I've been hammering at this training cycle, hammering at every week. I actually made it the main movement and um, actually had a big PR on the overhead press. And it keeps on going. So that's, uh, that's finding the weak points is key. For me, I've been throwing in some push press. Because my overhead press sucks so much, it just lets me overload the weight on top. Yeah, and that, nope. the, the variations I play with, I like to push press at the end for getting that overload, like you said. I usually take the top set of strict press and just push press it. Um, another variation I've really been liking this cycle, I uh, do a little bit of speed overhead. So just like you would on a bench, a speed day, doing like a 12 by 3, I'll put chains on it. Just focus on good technique, but explosive pressing. Uh, and then what I really like is like a dead press uh, from the pins. So I'll set the pins about shoulder height, and I'll really load that puppy up, and I'll just control it back down to the pins. So I'm pressing dead off the pins, 
Uh, there's no momentum there. It's just strict. You got to find the right groove, strict press it right up, and then control it down. And I've been doing a lot of slow eccentrics too. Because as we know, what phase do we break down the most muscle? That eccentric. So controlling the movement is really big too because we can all heave weight up. Yeah, that's not too hard to do. Use your legs, toss the weight up. But controlling it down, that's another ball game. If I hold weight over my head and just try to hold it there, I'll be shaking like a leaf. You ever try to slow eccentric I, stuff? I've tried it. It's uh, all the tempo work yeah, stuff. Yeah, Oh, you'll be shaking. But I also don't have too much core, <laughs> so I gotta work in that a little bit more. Um, going into another aspect, recovery. That's really huge. A good program will also have program recovery in it. Yeah. Yep. You were saying deloads. Five through one every fourth week is a nice deload. Yes. I always say at uh, the bench clinics I'll, I'll do, I tell everyone there's deloads in my jungle. Because you know everyone got that tough attitude. Like, I don't need a deload. There's no deloads in the jungle. Um, well, With no days off kind of thing. Yes. Yep. Deloads in my jungle. My jungle's got different rules. <laughs> But you have to take that break. You can't push yourself constantly. And it's not even like on that deload that you have to do nothing and sandbag the workout. You just find another way to push yourself, whether it's limited rest in between handling less weight. Um, there's always a way to push yourself and make that workout real intense, but in a different capacity so that it's not tapping into that fatigue bank. Speaking of deloads, one of the most common things I find with some of my friends, some lifters I'm around, is that they'll switch programs and just get tremendous gains from the new program. But it's not the new program. It's usually they've overreached so far on their old one that they just mm -hmm. burnt out. So the lowered volume, lowered intensity on the new program. It's starting to, yeah. Yep. That's yeah. what catapults them. Yeah, that's that um, super compensation principle there. You, you push yourself to the limit, and then when you back off, does so much good for you. I see that in the meets. Um, it's really tough. It's tough to get a lifter peaked right for a, for a meet. It, there's a lot of, it's personal for each person. Each person's so, so different. And I see it all the time. Um, some need to handle a little bit more and even closer to the meet. Some need to back off a lot earlier. Um, and everyone can handle different amounts of intensity or volume. And it's, it's tough to really pinpoint it and it takes a while, so you can't do it in the first training cycle. Sometimes it's not even perfect in the second training cycle. But usually by a third training cycle working with someone, we got it dialed into you know, where we really need to be with that. It's even individual to what lift they're doing too. Because some yeah. people, they need two weeks off of deadlifts. Meanwhile, they can bench heavy the week up. No, you're right. It's, uh, it's really tough. There's a lot of different variables that go into play there. Um, all depending on how lift recovers in each movement so that that's a difficult aspect when you're getting towards you know the meat and you're starting to peak because it's very easy to kind of burn yourself out or push yourself to the limit you're starting to get a little joint pain you're starting to feel a little beat up but i'll tell you a week of rest or even two weeks kind of deloading a bit uh does such wonders i mean you'll feel ready to go you'll feel ready to lift a lot of weight um, that's why i tell lifters all the time why Within the three weeks of the meet, even four weeks, why would you push these heavy, heavy numbers if you're feeling real beat up and then come in feeling shitty versus if you take that time off, you're going to come in feeling 100%, you're going to crush something. You're not going to get much stronger within the, like the two-week, three-week lead-up to a meet. Yeah. All you're going to do is potentially hinder yourself for that meet. 
yeah, you're not going to get any stronger. You know, you're just you're going to burn yourself out, like you said. So that's what drives me nuts when a uh, lifter won't, like, communicate that with me. I understand it. Our guys don't want to feel like they're backing off. But I always try to explain it's important to have that feedback. Well, I'll need that feedback from a lifter. Hey, it's a little bit too much to handle. I'm starting to feel beat up. Um, that feedback is really, really important and key and, and very timely. And you need to back off at the right time. So always feel open to communicating. That. Everyone's a little bit different. So um, maybe you're feeling a lot beat up near the meet. Feel free to tell your coach. Be like, hey, I think I need a little back off because I'm sure they'll appreciate that information. Um, really, really important that you have proper recovery, and you can see that in any program. You know, it's five, three, one. You got that week four deload. Challenge, challenge, another one that I want to bring up about these programs. At the end of the day, they're challenging you. All right, you should feel like at the end of the week, you went through something tough. There is no change you can get anywhere without a challenge. Yeah, you, you, at the end of the week, if you don't feel like, man, that was a tough training week, then you probably should be doing something different. All right, the workout should be challenging. You should have some level of having to push yourself. At the end of the week, you should be like, damn, that was a tough training week. Um, but that's a really important component to a good program, too, is a challenge. It doesn't always have to be weight-wise. You know, whether it's rest between sets or, or anything, the amount of volume, even if it's light. Uh, you look at a program like Shaco, which I did my very first meet ever, I did Shaco. It's not high intensity at all. I, I think the highest I worked up was like 80%. It was crazy. It's just almost daily. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of volume within the session, too. I was in the gym... Uh, say two three hours sometimes because you're you're starting off with the bench you're going over to squat there you are back over <laughs> at the bench all right then you're doing accessory work so it's just a lot within the session it was like four sessions a week which is manageable allows you to have the recovery and it wasn't that the weight was heavy it's just you're doing a lot of it and a lot of setups and a lot of all that so that's how that program challenged you but they're all different, as you see. They're all different. I mean, I ran a squat every day program. That was for two, three months. Just I was beat. Yeah. You know, just big complex yeah, movement. It probably helped you out, right? It's huge. See, that's the thing too. People don't understand. You could do these things too every day if you wanted to. It's that's just varying the intensity yes, that you do it's it every day. All about the recovery, varying the intensity. I even set one bench clinic. I went through a full thing. I was like, you could bench every single day if you wanted to. It's about how you vary the intensity. And you think about someone who has a manual labor job. They're lifting every day, and they're not taking a break. All right, that's tough to do, but it can be done. You, you adapt to it. You always can adapt to what you're doing. All right, so think of it that way. You, you can bench every day if you wanted. You can squat every day if you wanted to. I don't recommend, especially for combining lifts, <laughs> because that's very hard to manage the recovery. But if you have different intensities, sure you can. So one day, uh, I might have a heavy volume session on a Monday. On Wednesday, all I might do is do a few sets of bamboo bar bench, sets of 20. I'm getting some work in, but that's not beating me up. If anything, that's setting me up in a better position for when I bench heavy on Friday. 
intensity insane. and frequency should be inversely related. So as one goes up, the other one should go down. Yeah. But what nobody wants to think about is that lifting itself is a skill, and doing it more often will help you refine that skill. Yeah, absolutely. That's that pretty much the cornerstone of Shaco, is you're doing so much of the work and practicing the movement perfect every time that you're going to get good results from it. I remember I was benching, I think my max was somewhere probably around 275. I don't think I did too much more than that, maybe a 280. Uh, I did the whole 11-week lead-up. And I wasn't handling over maybe 250 at all, um, 245, something like that. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm trying to take freaking 300 at this meet. Let's see what happens. <laughs> and I hit it. So it worked out really great. Um, but that sometimes all you need is, is less volume. Uh, I have a few guys who lift quite a bit of weight, substantial weight raw, and they don't always need the intensity too much. And you can see they burn out quick if they get too much of the intensity. Sometimes it's just staying lighter, doing the, the reps, practicing the movement, and in turn, that's going to get you stronger and trying to push certain weight. But everyone's so individual that you got to really be pinpoint with it. And as you get more advanced, usually you can't push that intensity every week, week in, week out. Because, mm -hmm. you know, the stress on your body from benching 200 pounds if your max is 225 is way different if your max is 500 and you're benching 475. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um, we're, going, we're taking uh, questions here on Instagram Live. All right, so make sure, sending in your questions. If you're not following us on Instagram, please do. At Big Ben, she's got fabulous content on the Instagram. We just made the Twitter, so follow us there too. And then, of course, uh, if you're not always already watching on YouTube, you can follow us at Big Bench on YouTube. That's where all the full-length videos are, guys. Your Instagram snippets, YouTube full videos. So this next one you brought up. That you wanted to talk about specificity oh specificity is huge so your program should tailor this is the most common sense thing your program should tailor to what you're aiming for so like if you want a big bench yeah. you should be benching multiple times a week if you're trying to get good for football if you're a wide receiver you're not going to do drills of alignment yeah no you're you're right um that's that's a huge one and i'm glad you put that in there uh, you got to train specific to what you want to do. So, for example, when I was going through a training cycle, I wanted to hit the 700-pound bench. There was a lot of process in the lead-up to that. Like, you got to know you're capable of that first off, and that goal is realistic. Uh, but then you, your training has to reflect what you're trying to do. So, uh, I would take, I knew what I wanted to take at the meet is 635, 675, 700. So, every single training session... I was handling that weight in my hands. That's as specific as you get. In the shirt, 635, I would take it to the chest or I'd take it to some board, 675, and then I would take 700. But consistently, every single time I was in the shirt, I was handling that exact weight. All right, so very important that you stay specific with what you're trying to do. So you can see right there, it was exact weight. The exact weight I was going to lift at the meet, I had in my hand in training every single time. All right? There was no surprises at the meet. It was the same thing. It was the same weight. I'm just doing it to the chest. For so if you're trying to hit a certain total, you got to have an idea of what you need in each lift to get that total. you got to have a plan. Your training has to reflect that. Whatever your goal is, training has to reflect that. For me, I, I broke it down. So I wanted to hit 500-pound deadlift for the first time. 
way many years back. So I broke it down. I want to hit it by Christmas. And I took uh, all the math. I was like, all right, I need to make a 25-pound jump every month. Like four months away, this is fine, this is good. So at the end of every month, I would try to hit five pounds less than a 25-pound jump. Because I knew that I could make up 10 pounds in the deadlift. And then I planned out every month, I would do my entire lead up. At the end of the month, I would test somewhere, you know, it shouldn't be too heavy. It should come up very easy. It should be a very technical near max. At the end of that four months, 500 went up like butter. It, you had a plan. Had a plan. And it was stretched out a good deal of time. Yep. It was progressive. There was no rush. I'm not going to say I'm going to add 100 pounds to my deadlift next month. Yeah, the recovery is in place because you took the time to get some recovery probably after that max attempt, whatever, yep. sub-max attempt. It was very specific. And that wasn't a, a shitty max attempt. You said it was a coming up pretty good. Butter. Yeah, so it's not like you were pushing yourself to the limits of convulsing and then falling <laughs> on the floor after. So you were still good. And then after, you probably deloaded a little bit. Gave you the challenge. We're just going over some of the things you just talked about. Recoveries in place. Um, you were probably hammering your weak points with secondary stuff. It gave you a challenge. It's all in place. That was a whole ton of core work. That sucked. Yeah, so you did <laughs> a great lead. You had a plan. You had a goal. And then you, everything in the programming was, was good, and it led you right up to it. So that's what you guys got to do. And even so, too, specificity in terms of making sure you're doing the movements as you be doing them at the meet. So a lot of people um, will train with different variations or different bar types, and staying specific to what you do at the meet is really important. So I know a lot of guys, especially when they get into like trying to follow what Westside does or whatnot, but they're like a raw lifter, and they're doing all these crazy box squats, and they're doing bands. I mean, what are you going to be doing at the meet? You know, you're, you don't have a box. You don't have any bands. Um, you're not an equipped lifter. So <laughs> just train how you train at the meet, and you'll be good. That's specificity. In football, it's practice how you play. Yeah, yep. no, you're exactly right. Uh, how, you know, you just got to keep everything relative. So if you were to get into the um, realm of sports training, I mean, think about what you would do on a football field, right? You got a quick... 10-second burst play, if that, you know, sometimes not even 10 seconds. It's a lot less than that. It's very quick, high intensity, and then you have a good 30, 40 seconds of rest. So why don't you train like that? Why don't you train high-intense move, very quick, give yourself a decent amount of rest. It's going to be the same thing you're going to encounter on the field. So training should reflect that. Uh, if you're a lineman, you need to be able to display that strength, a lot of it, very quickly. Um, if you're a wide receiver, you got to be able to make your cuts and do all that stuff. So um, specificity in that manner, too. Uh, I want to talk about another big one, and we might end here. If anyone has the questions, throw them in. Uh, enjoyment creates adherence to your program. All right, you can touch on all these points, but at the end of the day, if you're not excited about your training, or you don't even, it's not something you, you even excited to do, um, you're probably not going to adhere to it very well, right? So if you're not, if you don't understand what your training's giving you, say you're getting it by a coach or something, if you don't understand the program, uh, you don't have some sort of say into what you like to do too, you're not going to have adherence to it. You know, did you ever follow anything that you were like, oh, this kind of sucks and you didn't want to do it at all? <laughs> Oh, of course. Every everyone goes through the program that their friend runs, and then you try to jump on that, and then it's just not for you. It just sucks. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're just not into the training style. Um, and that's it's really important. People don't think of that as much. Like when I coach a lifter, I give them the program to run, but I want that communication. I want them to feel free to suggest things to me too because I can work it in. Because at the end of the day, if I give them something that they don't understand, they don't want to do, then what's the point? You know, you're not going to have, you're supposed to have a good time training. You know, we're not all going to hit like world records and stuff. We're not all training like guys at Westside who are just there to break world records. You know, we're training because it's just part of our lifestyle. It's good for us. We have fun doing it. But if training is not fun for you anymore, then what's the point? You know, so I always want that open communication with an athlete to feel free to give suggestions and, and we make modifications. And if you want to try something new, we'll, we'll throw it in. Depends on your goals and we can work it in. But that's a very important thing that a lot of people overlook. You can usually work in a lot of things, too. So don't be afraid to ask your coach or yeah, even throw it in if you have your own program. Absolutely. Um, you got a guy, uh, Body by Bacon, who gave us one of the first questions. Uh, Adit, yeah, he's, he's doing awesome. He doesn't really have a meet in mind. And he wants, you know, he's having some issues with his shoulder. You know, benching's beating him up a little bit. So we're actually doing more overhead pressing than anything. He really likes the overhead press. It makes his shoulders feel good. Um, so we're actually overhead pressing twice now and only benching once. All right, so we changed some things up. He enjoys doing the overhead press, makes him feel good. That's important. If I would say, um, no, we're not overhead pressing, we're just benching, his shoulder's going to get beat up. He's not going to have a good time doing that. And it's just not going to be it's not going to be productive either and way. If you don't enjoy it, you're not going to adhere to it. And more than anything else is that you adhere to the program that you're following, because you're not going to get any gains not doing anything. Yeah, and even if you do go through it and your intensity is high, if you don't have the sense of purpose in the session, you don't understand why you're doing the work you're doing. That's a problem to me. You got to understand why it is you're doing the movement. You know, you should be able to ask a coach, why is this movement in here? What is this doing for me? And they should have an answer to that. One of the That's how I look at it. One of the girls I actually programmed for, so to get her to do some main movements to get her to her goal, we had to add in some dessert at the end. Because she can go through the squats, she can go through the bench, but at the end, she wants the booty pop, she put in, program in some more deadlifts to get in that in there, yeah, and she'll do yeah. the whole program. So enjoyment's huge on adherence. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's experience firsthand right there um god deliver god deliver what they want to and then it, it's amazing how they they do the rest of it yeah like everything like else is get fine it in. yeah <laughs> you just promise them but the cake if, yeah if that wasn't in there then who the hell knows and if that wasn't in there she uh ended up doing half ass for like two weeks yeah that's <laughs> it all right guys so i mean if we run down some of the things we touched on today progression Program's got to have some type of lead up. It's got to hit some weak points. All right, you have to get better at the things you suck at. Recovery has to be in place. You can't burn yourself out all the time. You got to make sure you're coming in the sessions fresh. Challenging. And at the end of the week, you should feel like, shit, I just did some really hardcore training. Um, specificity. Getting specific to your goals. What are you training for? And then enjoyment and the adherence aspect. Making sure that you understand what you're doing and you're having a good time training. All right? And it's not necessarily you have to have a good time every time you're in the gym. There's days I don't want to be in the gym training. But I understand why it is I'm doing what I'm doing. 
and I enjoy the training process at the end of the day. You know, it makes you feel good. You know, you're getting a step closer to your goals, and that's important. And having that big goal will also help in that enjoyment because you have a grand goal that you're working towards, so each session has a purpose. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, guys. So appreciate you watching or listening to this bench cast. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see our little display here in the front of the table. We got some more shirts in, all right, and a lot of stock of them. So if you order, might be able to just get you one right out. Got some really cool designs. Got camo out. We got the wrist wraps, the elbow sleeves. Um, just to touch on that quick, we got a couple different wrist wraps, real stiff 36-inch pair and a multi-purpose 24-inch pair. So we got all your supportive needs there, whether you're benching big or you just want a little wrist support for your squat. Elbow sleeves here, tapered in the middle. Um, definitely check some of this stuff out. I'm really amped about things we got going on. And if you're listening to this, July 22nd, we are starting another round of the six-week challenge. Now, we just went through one um, this past round, six weeks, and had a lifter 22-pound increase, had a lifter 16-pound increase, um, and I'm getting some more results coming in. It's been fantastic. We got some more women involved in it, and you can see if you go on the website, six-week challenge, you'll see how you can sign up there, and you'll see the top 10 board. And if you crack top three, you get some really cool prizes. So make sure you check that out, guys. I'm really excited to go through another round. Everyone's getting stronger on it. That's what I love is, is it's a way to push yourself, uh, win some prizes, see where you stack up with the competition. If you're looking for something to do, if your bench is a little stagnated, jump on the six-week challenge. It's going to be a good time. All right. Coach Ben here. You can follow me on my personal account at Bench and Benny. You know where to find us on social media at Big Benches. Find me on Instagram at Small Arm Leg Strong and on Twitter at, at Big Quad Tiny Arm. Big Quad Tiny Arm. Jump on the Twitter game, guys. I think that's a cool platform because it lets you really personally communicate with someone. You know, it's real direct uh, and it's real. I, I really enjoy jumping on the Twitter. So we got to get that uh, that following up, guys. Follow us on Twitter. I think that's a really cool platform. I'm glad to be back on that. And uh, we got some really great content up there, too. I've been throwing a lot of stuff up, some bench tips and shit. So you, you'll really enjoy that. All right, guys. Coach Ben here. And you have been listening to The Bench Cast.